this is like some of the only times of the year slash day slash week that I see you just light up apropos of nothing. It's oh, that really? or Diego. Oh, he's my baby though. Yeah. He what is. about me? Do I not bring you peace and joy anymore? No. Do no? No. No as in <laughs> you do. Rude. It's fine. I don't no, have to. It's you fine. Do. Only married what? Like a month and she's already oh, shipping word. me off. <laughs> I'm just oh, kidding. My word. I'm just being desperate for affection today, apparently. Oh my word. Anyway, how you doing? So good. Yeah. So good. Um, that sounds very genuine. Sorry, I'm a little low energy today, but... Are you ready for some quips? I'm always ready for some quips, but... <laughs> she's not even in the room and she's still distracting. Sorry, Delilah just shook her whole body. <laughs> Was that Delilah? Yes. Oh my gosh. She's yeah. a menace. She really is. I love her. Um, yeah, sorry. Um, we've been having some medical issues. <laughs> Your chronic issues my flared issues up. are flaring <laughs> She up. had chocolate yesterday and apparently it just knocked her out for two days. <laughs> yeah, so... Mistakes were made. Yeah, so I'm in the process of removing all of my favorite things <laughs> oh from gosh. my diet. I think you need to change it, your language around this. No, I'm still in my morning phase. Okay. All I right. haven't gotten anywhere close to the acceptance, um, <laughs> which I'm sure is healthy. And uh, my therapist will have a lot to say about that. But yeah, we're in the process of taking out some stuff to try and help with some, yeah. uh, some items, uh, some migraine stuff that I'm dealing with. So, And that is some real shit. Yeah. Hobgoblins. It's if, nuts. I can't believe it. I didn't yes. realize, I guess, like how they classified migraines. So like, yeah. Anyway, it's been a learning experience for me too. And I'm not suffering, yeah. unfortunately. Well, you are suffering. I mean, I am. I'm <laughs> but like, I'm going to bring this whole ship down. I'm <laughs> just kidding. No. But uh, yeah, I had yeah, chocolate anyway. yesterday, which is apparently not great for people with migraines. And neither is caffeine. Some, well, or some people with migraines. I haven't had coffee today. So, so it could be a migraine because you haven't had coffee. Did well, you think about that? Like I woke up with headache. it, so I don't usually. Mm. But you didn't up. have caffeine yesterday. That is well. I did have the chocolate. Yeah. So yeah, knows? it could see. This is why we need to do the proper food elimination diet, so we can actually figure it out. Stay tuned. Um, <laughs> we'll keep you updated, Hobgoblins. Yeah. Oh, so. by the way, I'm sorry. I'm going to skip to something really fast. Okay, go ahead. I had someone say that they would not like to be referred to as Hobgoblins. So we might need to think of a new name. Why? I don't know. They just, it said, she said it makes her feel weird. Why? I don't know. Okay. Well, I just feel like maybe we should proffer it to the people and they can figure something out. Okay. Well, here's a poll. <laughs> Mary Beth's the only one. <laughs> if you would like to be called a, co- a, a hobgo, a cob, <laughs> Eat some corn now. Yes, I'm talking to you, Leah. She hates she corn. She hates it so much. Um, she will legit pick it out of anything. If you would like to be called a hobgoblin, then do it. <laughs> and if you would not... Then don't. Then you will be called that anyway. <laughs> Problem okay. solved. All right. You're no, feeling I'm, very spicy today. So maybe we'll just put it on Instagram. Give me my caffeine and chocolate back. No, I'm just like you really... You don't even eat chocolate every day. I know. I just crave it sometimes. I think... I think it's that idea of like once you say to someone like you can't do this anymore. 
there's like a mental thing that happens where you're like, I need it. Yeah. And I wonder if I was just craving it yesterday because I didn't have coffee. Mm-hmm. So my body was like, what's, what's another happening? way we can get this good energy drug going? Yeah. So yeah, that is that is a lot of fun. They also put me on migraine medication. Which is also fun. Which Topamax. It causes you to get flushed in the face really easily. Topamax, if anyone has had that lovely experience, you know, living the dream right now. Truly. I, I just crack up because I started Googling some of my <laughs> side effects and the like third <laughs> Google result when you type in Topamax is Topamax ruined my life. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah, no, I think it was more just like some of the other stuff, like the tingling mm-hmm. and all of that. And I think for me, it's just like kind of hard to tell. The The thing I'm probably struggling with the most is like just feeling like really tired. They think I might also have something called POTS. No pans, thankfully. but <laughs> Except for me. Yeah, my pans sexual. <laughs> they could, we could rename them the pots and pans. Uh, wow, for, I don't think any of them would like that, except for maybe two. Okay, well, we'll we'll put that on the list. Okay. Listen, beggars can't be choosers. <laughs> so you just Instagram message us with your suggestions, hobgoblins. But like, or, I mean, it, people who listen to the podcast. Yeah, but like, uh, just feeling like really short of breath. So mm. if I'm like really breathy. <laughs> Yeah, if I sound like Diego, I apologize. So, baby, wow, who knew this would turn into a a medical podcast? I know. I told you, my this is now my complaints podcast. Right. Sure. Anyway, I know. (laughs) You never know. Stay tuned to find out if Topamax ruins my life, y'all. Oh my gosh. No, I'm just kidding. Good lord. Okay. Anyway, do you want to talk about the book? I'd rather complain some more, but I guess we can. (laughs) I guess we can move on. Mm, Okay. Um, so this, well, I guess now two weeks ago, I read this book called Miss Austin. Okay. Is that like... Um, it's called Miss Austin, a novel of the Austin sisters by Jill Hornby. Oh, I thought this was going to be like Stone Cold Steve Austin's like wife or something. What? Who's Steve Austin? WWE wrestler? Baby, have you met me? You're clearly very uncultured. Yeah, that's what it is. <laughs> I, I can see it. It's I read fan fiction essentially about Jane Austen and about, her family, and about, I'm uncultured. Yep. About Stone Cold Steve Austin. <laughs> I guarantee that exists. Well, I'm sure it does, but that's not what I read. <laughs> Boring. Okay. Send us uh, Hobgoblin slash Pots and Pans slash whatever you want to be called. <laughs> your preferred fandom name. <laughs> Send us your favorite WWE fan fiction. Oh, please our, don't. <laughs> to our email at off the page <laughs> at gmail.com. Wow, that took a turn. I wasn't expecting. Um, I'm going to read you the synopsis of the book now, okay? Does it involve leotards? No. Not interested. <laughs> I'm just kidding. It's too late. I'm, I've already read it. Okay. 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 It says, whoever looked at the elderly lady and saw the young heroine she once was, England, 1840, two decades after the death of her beloved sister, Jane, Cassandra Austin returns to the village of Kentbury in the home of her friend, 
her friends the Fowls. In a dusty corner of the vicarage, there's a cachet of Jane's letters that Cassandra is desperate to find. Dodging her hostess and the meddlesome housemaid, Cassandra eventually hunts down the letters and confronts the secrets they hold. Secrets not only about Jane, but about Cassandra herself. Will Cassandra bear the most private details of her life to the world or commit her sister's legacy to the flames? That means she's going to burn them. Moving back and forth between the vicarage and Cassandra's vibrant memories of her years with Jane, interwoven with Jane's brilliantly reimagined lost letters, Miss Austin is the untold story of the most important person in Jane's life. With extraordinary empathy, emotional complexity, and wit, Jill Hornby finally gives Cassandra her due, bringing to life a woman that has captivated many of Austin's heroines. Wait, that doesn't make sense. Hold on. As captivating as any Austin heroine. There we go. So it was boring. Fact or fiction? Wait, what was boring? Nothing. My reading of that was boring. <laughs> oh, I thought you were going to say the book was boring. It was middle, li- middling. Middling. Anyway, go on. What were you okay, going to say? Okay, but come on now. Like, let's be honest. If I'm like cracking open a book about the Austin sisters, I'm not uh, listen, like. Listen, I could have used more tawdry details, okay? I'm not expecting it to be like five out of five ass claps. Maybe I'm wrong for that. Well, I didn't expect that necessarily, but. Okay, what tawdry details are we talking about So listen, okay. I like Jen Austen. She wrote pretty tawdry people, right? Such as? Any guy who ends up not getting a girl. I'm speaking specifically of Pride and Prejudice. And a couple characters and Emma. No, not. Mr. Collins. What's the guy's name? The 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 guy who was in the war. He goes for the Lydia. Count of Monte Cristo. Oh my god. He goes for Lydia. What's his name? <laughs> Wickham. I'm sorry, I cracked myself. <laughs> Stupid. No, Wickham. And okay, then but he was I forget the other guy. Okay. But Colonel he's also Sanders. making <laughs> Oh my gosh. Oh, Brandon. <laughs> Wait, that's sense and sensibility, isn't it? Yeah. Are we talking about Pride and Prejudice? No, I was talking about any of Austin heroines. Like any of Austin's books, there's always that one or two characters that make bad choices that you're like, ooh, scandal. Oh, okay. So they had to be a part of her life in some way. Okay, but like... They're the foils of all of the good characters, you know? Are you saying we're scandalous? No, I'm saying I could have used some scandal in this book. So it wouldn't... What I was trying to say was it wouldn't be surprising if, if people thought through Jane's letters, that there was some sort of scandal in her life that they could have written about in this book. Diego? Anyway. Okay, so... Okay, but couldn't that just be her being a prude? Because a lot of the stuff, at least in the Austin stuff, that I've, like, read, let's be real, watched, isn't, like, really that scandalous. It's, like, very of the times, like, gaudy, like... uh, Gaudy? gossipy ah like oh so and so impregnant like it's an episode of mari and it's not even that like scandalous like let's be real it's shitty behavior yeah but i mean of the time you have to also fit it in the context of the time period right but what i'm saying is the whole time period wasn't that spicy (laughs) did you know who the king was at this time in england he was very spicy king george was kind of an asshole okay well then they should have spiced up (laughs) jane austen should have spiced it up i mean sure that wasn't really her thing though 
anyway, yeah, I mean, to agree to disagree. I'm actually saying this book just like meandered around a little. Like Austin, more like an us two or three. <laughs> what? Oh, I get it. Ten. Wow, that took a real second. That's embarrassing. No, there were some sweet parts of this book, and it was interesting. I'm I'm mostly referring to. I really liked that movie. This is like the only Anne Hathaway movie I will watch. Is becoming Jane Austen. Have you watched this? No. Oh my gosh, it's her and James McAvoy. Okay. And basically, through letters and Cassandra's journals, there's apparently a missing like three weeks where Jane apparently went missing in real life. And they think she was trying to get married at Gretna Green to a guy that she met. And that like, so this whole movie was based around that plot point. And there is something like that in these letters. So it definitely existed in her life. Otherwise, it wouldn't show up two different places. Okay. So this book is about Cassandra. Yeah. It's more from Cassandra's perspective. Is it fictional? Factual? No, it's like a blend of fiction and non because I think the author like saw fact. these and nonfiction <laughs> is what I was going for. So fact like, and fiction. Okay, okay. Got it. I don't know enough. I really haven't read like a lot of Jane Austen biographies, but uh I think they're based on real letters that they have found. Who's older? From Cassandra's older, I think. Are they the only two? No, there's like five kids in the Austin family. Oh shit, that's too many they kids. They had like a lot of brothers. I'm one of five kids. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I did think about that because basically this book takes place in two different timelines. One is the old timeline when Jane was alive, talking about how they are kind of destitute because it takes her a long time to sell the stories. And then her father passes away and they purposefully, Cassandra was to be married, but her fiance died at sea. So she doesn't get married. No. Oh, that's the Oregon Trail, my bad. No, he. I mean, he could have very well had dysentery when Scurvy, he died, right? But I don't okay. think that's what happened. I Ear think his fruits. <laughs> I think his boat was shipwrecked in Africa ooh, or something. Ooh, okay. Yeah, I don't know. Um. So anyway, Cassandra doesn't get married, and then Jane never gets married. She doesn't even get engaged. Right. And so they that timeline is more around like how did they make their living? They kind of oh, live okay. um off the the meager means that their dad left with their mom. And so it's like her mom and Cassandra and Jane all kind of flitting around the country trying to find lodging and housing and things like that. So did her dad die like kind of young? Mm, No, he was just, he worked at a vicarage. So there wasn't a lot of money. Gotcha. And And then he has five kids. So a lot of their sons had endowments. The girls always had like some sort of endowment to get married. That's what I'm wondering. Where are the other three siblings? So they did like kind of, part of the story is Cassandra did go to one of these brothers houses and like lived with him off and on when his wife was having babies. And then his wife passes pretty suddenly oh, shit. having their seventh or something like that. And she, I think she hemorrhages and dies. Oh, and it's always really traumatic and really fast. And so she goes and she lives with him for a while, but then this is also the time when Jane's health is really bad. How old is she? How old is Cassandra? Or how old is Jane? Jane. I think she was only 43 when she died. Ooh. Really sad. I think she had cancer. I think they've found oh, out fuck. now she had like ovarian cancer. Oh, that is not. Mm, yeah, it was not, not a good scene. And so this woman, her sister-in-law passes away. And essentially, in order to help himself, he basically asks his sisters and mom to come back. And then the mom passes and then so Jane passes. the brothers weren't doing shit to help them. No, and that was very common in this time period. So part of this book is about 
grief, loss, and being a woman in this time period? Like, what did you do? Yep. So let me read you a quote, actually, that I really liked. Hold on. I have I have to pause. I have two brothers. If either of you did this to me, <laughs> bastards. I don't, think, I don't think they're listening. I don't either. For one, but yeah. yeah that's not our demographic. And no. for two, I don't think they'd do that to me. I don't but think so. Let this serve as a record. <laughs> let help this eyes. woman with her pots. Yeah, Come exactly, on, man. Exactly. She can't die. Exactly. <laughs> but an old. Do you think my brother would help pay for me? Yeah. Brock? I mean, he does have a sense of duty, I think. Duty. <laughs> yeah. I love that I use that. Every time I talk about my work and I say I have duty outside, he oh. laughs every single time because he's 12 years old. Yeah. Yeah. He's not actually 12, everybody. You know, that's interesting like because I don't know, like our culture fetishizes this idea of like, it's men's responsibility to take right. care of women and we... We go down with the ship and blah, you blah, know, blah. all of that. But like, it wasn't even like, what, 150 years ago mm-hmm. that if you never got married. You were I, literally property yeah, for your dad. Well, if you did get married, you're property. But I guess it's about that subjugation of not being willing to. So Jane never, she purposefully never got married. She got proposed to like three times. And A she hottie, purposefully hottie alert. never got married because she knew if she did her future spouse wouldn't allow her to write as much as she wanted to. And then she'd have to be like the carer of a home and then carer of children. And she was like, that is not what I want my legacy to be. And honestly, if she already had ovarian cancer, she probably didn't feel very good. And she was like, I can't deal with all this. I'm sure that was part of it. Yeah. I think on a subconscious level, she probably knew she was going to die young. But like, I guess, I don't know. That's just like. Because she also had this like Alexander Hamilton like need to like write furiously. You know, right? Yeah. Like you're running out of time, man. I wish I could catch that bug. Okay. Uh, anyway. Can I read you a quote from this? Yes, go for Going it. Going on the topic of caregiving. Yes, please do. It was always the same. No matter how big the family, the mantle of caregiver, organizer, help meet is only ever laid upon one. It is the na- as if nature can only throw up one capable person to support each generation. In my family, that has always been me. So Cassandra is saying that. About herself. mm -hmm. I thought the most interesting part of this book, as much as I could have like had some spicy bits, the most interesting part was her and the other people in the modern day time period dealing with grief and loss, as well as understanding their role in society in their personal families. So she's gone back home or gone back to the Fowles house, like I spoke about in the... That is such a foul last name. (laughs) Or Fowlers? I can't remember I'd be now. like, what the cluck is this? <laughs> I bet they have a close family. You know why? Why? Birds of a feather. <laughs> Stick together. <laughs> and basically, she ends up back in this place because the dad of this house, who owned the vicarage, dies at the very beginning of the book. And she ends up going back because they're kind of her ex-in-laws. Girl, can I just make a quick comment? Sure. If I knew that I was living in such a stringent patriarchy and I was like, like in my case, I'm like hella gay and I I don't want to like have to hitch my wagon to a man. I would have just hitched my wagon. I would have weakened at Bernie's my dad. I would have like... Wow, really? Like, I would just prop him up and pretend him like he's still alive because... (laughs) Isn't that what they try to do in Sense and Sensibility at one point? 
maybe it's been so it's, it's been, been a, a long yeah. time since i watched that movie but like i would just be like uh you know that we've fallen on hard times yeah or like that dowry that she's supposed to get if she gets married that like what happens to that if she never gets married i'd be like give me that money now i feel like that's what happens is it's set up in the trust it just kind of depended on who your dad was i would be like i'm trying to invest in crypto (laughs) and i have this opportunity (laughs) to buy some bitcoin now (laughs) when the market's down oh my gosh i am going to be a millionaire it's so foolish you couldn't really move in classes so no one could buy crypto um but you know what you know what's interesting the austin family and this is true to life was really close like all of the siblings were close but Uh, they were also stupid and then they would marry people who didn't want like the other sisters-in-law didn't necessarily like that was kind of the problem with cassie is she wanted to go and stay and be with her brother and then bring her mom and her sister out but she could manipulate the situation with her brother to be like oh it's your idea and he's like yes great and then he brings it to his wife who hasn't passed yet and she's like absolutely not basically and she puts the kibosh on it and so she cassie's standing there like okay i guess don't marry people who aren't supportive of you helping out your family members yeah i learned a lot reading this book actually if you're gonna go I with mean, that it was a different time i guess yeah, but a like, wee bit and she did have seven children to take care of and manage so that's a big household well i guess she should have thought about that and crossed her legs <laughs> Before she spread her legs so much. (laughs) No. I mean, okay. So my overall rating of this book was like three out of five stars. Okay. Okay. So I finished it. So obviously it was enchanting enough that I kept reading. But had it not been on audio, I probably wouldn't have read the whole thing. Did you... Does it go all the way through Cassandra's life? Mm -mm -mm. Does she... No, it basically... It paints a very brief picture of her and Jane's late 20s and then Cassie's okay. 60, 50, 60-ish year. Okay. And she like stays with this friend of the family, basically. So basically, the guy who she was intended to marry, who dies, it's his family. Aww. Yeah. So she goes back when the dad passes to like be there for his sister, which would have been her sister-in-law. Um, to help a find these letters that she knew she'd written to Jane or Jane had written to her and she had left them there. And the whole time she's also trying to preserve Jane's memory because she knew some of those letters had personal details that she didn't want other people, especially in that family to find because um, at this point people hounded Cassie for, for all of the information about her sister. Oh, so So she's preserving her sister's memory. Basically was Jane like starting to blow up Was she blew up right at the end. Of like like she, life. she wrote, so Pride and Prejudice was her first, and I mean, read or er, listeners, correct me if I'm wrong, if you are a Jane Austen stan, stan, um, from my understanding, she wrote Pride and Prejudice and it was a pretty big hit. Then she published Northanger Abbey and it wasn't as big of a hit. And then she worked on Emma and I think that was another big hit. And then there was, you know, other subsequent publications, but there was one book she didn't. There's like Sanditon and a series of letters, which was like an epistolary novel that she didn't get published because she died. And Cassie posthumously published two of those with her editor at the time. And they just assumed they'd figure out how the end of the book and, you know, like was constructed in Jane's mind because of her notes and stuff. And so she also was pretty popular based on just Pride and Prejudice alone. Like it sold really well. So she made quite a big chunk of money for that time period for being a woman. But they didn't put her name on any of her books until after she died. I so, think. So Jane didn't actually need any money while she was alive. 
no, she still needed. I mean, it's a lot of it's a lot to live. And she was taking care of her mom, and she was also oh, taking care of Cassie. Okay. So like her money wasn't just hers; it was like also a lump so sum. So she was doing what her brother should and her other siblings kind should of. Have done. And Cassie was doing roasted. Cassie wanted her to write, and so she basically ran the household. She was like the CEO of the household, which was a big deal back then because you know if you had servants and stuff, you had to be like, "This is what we're making for dinner. This is how we're going to get it. So this is they you know had managing servants. all of that." I think they had like two ladies maids that oh. traveled with them. Okay. So, so they're they like middle, like, upper middle class. Oh, okay. So they were like. Yeah, they're not like down on the street or anything. Oh, okay. Because in my head, I'm thinking they're like living in a hovel somewhere. It kind of felt like that, I think, to them at certain times because they really, they did have to let staff go at certain times and then they hired them back. Okay. But it wasn't consistent is what I'm saying. Okay. The money kind of ebbed and flowed. Okay, but the fact that she was even a woman who was educated meant that she was better off than most yes. women of her time. Yes, gotcha. so their dad was a vicar in a patronage. Like, he ran a church, basically. And at the time, that was a pretty upper-middle-to-middle-class job. So think Mr. Collins, right? So, like, he has an in with the rich lady, Danbury, and ha- they have ins with, like, a certain type of social circle who demand a certain type of dress, behavior, manner of existing that costs money i went to one of those churches because technically pride and prejudice the bennett's are those types they're like in that class of people right they own land so they're wealthy enough but they don't have gobs of money like mr darcy does right right so they're not like right it's the difference between darcy is like elon musk and the bennett's are like mm, kim kardashian i don't know does that make sense so like they're up upper middle class i wouldn't even that's a terrible analogy but i'm trying to just think like because like ten thousand a year was a lot of money yeah because at the end of the like day even when i was like watching the movies or like hearing the stories it's like Mm -hmm. we'll be destitute and it's like you're not destitute you're still very it's a very slippy slippery slope though like eventually a I think some of these people didn't land on their feet, right? And then they would end up in different scenarios. So, like out on the street? Yes. Uh, I mean, maybe. But a I lot of times know. people would take those people in. Exactly. And it, so, like, Mrs. Bates, for example, Miss Bates from, what is that, Emma? I think it's an Emma. And she's like friends of Emma. She is not well off, right? So, they have a lady's maid and they have like one servant who helps run the house, but Miss Bates and then her elderly mother live in town, live above a shop. There's all of these little things where you can tell they are not as well off as Emma, who lives in that grand house, whose family only had two kids. You know, like she, there's, it's a very big class divide, but they all kind of work together in the same social circle. It's because, you know, so it's like, all I'm saying is I would take that. I'm like, in this economy, <laughs> living above a house, uh, a shop doesn't sound so bad. No, I'm, I just, yeah, it's different. It's different, different than, time. no, but it's still interesting. I mean, like I did obviously finish the book. It was interesting enough to me, but I felt, felt like it could have had more heft to it. What do you mean by that? What do I mean? I could have used more tension in certain parts because she finds the letters quite quickly and so, and, and the letters are the proxy to get you back in time. So you get Jane in the actual narrative. Okay. And do you ever find out like what she didn't want no, people to find out? That's the thing. Out? And it could have been, I like didn't think it was that scandalous and I kind of missed it because she I think it was just like, one time. no, it was more like the nature of some of these letters were just really private. 
in the sense mm-hmm. that like they talked about people who were friends mm-hmm. in their social circle that they probably shouldn't have been bitching about in a letter man this is the modern day version of don't put anything in, in writing <laughs> right that, that you don't, don't want your bosses to read yeah that you don't want to get leaked so it is that kind of thing like i just felt like there were certain times too where the tension just could have been more but i don't think that's what this book is for does that make sense it's a very yeah. frothy who was it written by a woman named jill hornby G-I-L-H-O-R-N-B-Y. Gotcha. And I don't know what... They've written other books. So I think she tends to write about um, like historical characters. So like, let me find... Hold on. And what would you say the like point of the book is? It's literally Jane Austen fan fiction that was published. So oh, really? I really do think it's just for a certain sect of like Austenites that really enjoy thinking about her life and what could have been interesting because that is definitely a subgenre of austin literature just like because she didn't live to be very old they well they just also love her and there's a huge sub community of austinites do you know about this i've read books about them there's people who have literal conventions and they all dress up from regency in regency clothes and have like austin balls and stuff it's amazing what about her, I guess, is so appealing? I think she was really funny. She's obviously stood the test of time. Like, her books are still relevant. Yeah, that's true. And I did watch, like, a think piece about... Because the new Persuasion came out on, right. on Netflix. Right. Looks terrible. I don't even want to watch it. Because Persuasion is my favorite Austin besides Emma. Emma. It's Emma. But I loved this one A&E version of Persuasion. Because it makes me cry every time I watch it. It's, like, very north and south. Mm. Do you know the story of Persuasion? You could persuade me to watch it. <laughs> okay, I don't want to watch that version, but I'll show you the other one. Okay. Um, essentially, this woman rebukes this one man. And like 10 years later, he comes back in town and he's now wealthy and like very distinguished. And she wants to get married to him. Okay, and she's still vast, vast, like super in love with him. And she was kind of, she knows she was a dum-dum for letting him go. And so she's like persuading herself to, to do this, like, to take a chance again. And he's being persuaded by her existence. Because they really don't talk in the novel. It's kind of amazing. And there's just all this like sexual tension. You could just cut it with a knife. It's awesome. But Emma is my favorite because Emma is me as a teenager. She's just like very high, high strung and wild and sticks her foot in her mouth. That's why I like Emma. But I also love the like longing of persuasion. My favorite Jane Austen is Jane Austen Book Club. That's a good movie. Yeah, it is. Did actually. you read the book? No, I didn't. Even oh, it's so good. It book. It's good. Yeah, um, I've read it. I watched that one with my sisters and it reminds me yeah. a lot of, of them. Yeah. And it's a good choice. The guy, the biker guy reminds me so much of my little brother. Really? Yes. That's cute. Yeah. Fascinating. So this author has written other books about Jane Austen. Like one of the first books on Goodreads under their name is called Who Was Jane Austen? That Girl with the Magic Pen. So I don't know. I will maybe listen to more, but I won't be reading any of the books because I think they're just slowly, you know, they just kind of plod along. It's know? almost like being in that world and experiencing <laughs> that vibe. Is that kind of how it is? No, because I find Jane Austen's novels still very gripping. Like I will reread. I've reread emma like three times no i meant for people who really enjoy that to read books like that yeah i mean you definitely are going for a vibe but i'm even saying for the vibe it's slow Mm, yeah 
Yeah, that's fair. So, I mean, I enjoyed it, obviously. I enjoyed it enough that we're talking about it. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because I finished like three other books, but I was like, let's talk about this one. Any ass clubs? Absolutely fucking not. Any ankle shows? Mm, no. Maybe like one. Did Cassandra have any, uh, any other suitors other than the bow not who really. died? Oh, that's really sad. But she's not, and she says it many times, her life is not the less for it. Like, mm, okay. I think it does. I think it's like, I don't know. I would recommend this book to a couple of friends, but not everyone. Do you know what I'm saying? A yes. couple of friends who have like a similar life. as Jane Austen? Or just enjoy that type of storytelling gotcha because it does say some interesting things like i said i feel like the themes were grief loss love and understanding of your place in time and in society and so they weren't like breaking the mold so to speak necessarily do you think that cassandra is happy yes that's the thing is she really she does as as much strife as some of the years with jane austen or jane was were whatever whatever verb i'm supposed to use there helping verb they 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 loved each other so so much and Mm. most of the reason she doesn't get married is she really did love her mom and she really did love her sister so much and that Mm. is something like i'm obsessed with my sisters so like i get that um deeply right you know had i not met you i probably would still be living with my sister you know you know like it's a very it's a solid vibe yeah no and it's not makes your it doesn't make your life any less no 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 you know no, 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 no so I like good. that message personally. No, and that's like good for her because especially... Yeah, she didn't that, have a lot of resentment. Well, and especially in that period of time, I mean, growing up in the South for myself, it was very culturally expected for you to get married by the time you were like in your early 20s. Right. Uh, but even then it was even more culturally expected. And I at least live in a time where being a woman I can at least like own lands and hold a job and right and have property but but then you know she was actively giving up mm-hmm. so much but and I think it shows she you know she did really love the guy she was betrothed to mm-hmm. because she kind of grieves him the rest of her life mm-hmm. in a way and what could have been yeah um which you know is super I don't know triggering to me <laughs> personally just based on like life. Mm. But um, I understand that feeling. You yeah. Know, where you're like, uh, basically an Adele song. What if I never love again? Type yeah. of thing. So, yeah. but yeah, I liked, I mean, I did like it. It was good. I finished it. I probably won't read anything else by this author, but it was fine. Um, I do recommend as a companion read. I don't know where it is, but there is an amazing book about like the current Austin fandom. So let me find the title for that. Also, while she's doing that, I am going to plug some of our social media off the page with MB on Instagram. Also, we're trying to like get into TikTok. Oh man, this TikTok thing scares we me. We tried to do what? Something. <laughs> it's really fun, but a bummer because go ahead, tell them what happened. I couldn't figure out how to like work the sound and I'm not like good at angles. So <laughs> yeah, we looked really good. I always look really good. We need one of those um, ring lights for one. And Obby. we also need one of those like pole things that you can put your phone in and you can just hold it out. So you get oh, a better like a selfie stick kind of. So you get like a better angle. Let me find out what our TikTok name is. Cause... Anyway, I'll read you um, 
the name of this book that I wanted. It's as a companion to this one. If you want more of a nonfiction flair for your reading, there's a great book that Amy got me once. It's called Among the Jainites, A Journey Through the World of Jane Austen Fandom. And it is by Deborah Yaff. And it's amazing. It's basically she takes all of the different parts of a fandom and like why they're magical and special. And she talks about like what people nowadays do to to kind of help live in the world of Jane Austen. And so they do some kooky things, but she talks about, and she goes to the convention, the Jane Austen convention. I've been to the Renaissance fair. I think I know more about Jane Austen than you do, genius. Okay. Anyway, it's a great book. I highly recommend it. I enjoyed it. It was a romp through the fandom that I'm not like wholly a part of, but totally love. And I do have friends who've gone, like I know a person. So I feel famous. I've also known a person. <laughs> I've known even two people. So no, I, I mean, who went to the Austin convention in their town and does the, she like does the tea party and she makes the dresses and well, it's awesome. My older sister who actually listens to this podcast. <gasps> Kay, shout out. She's the best. She is the best. She will be coming on at some point. She loves Shane Austin. This and, is for you, Kay, because truly you'll love that book too. And... She took me calling to a neighbor's oh house. Oh my gosh, I love this story. She dressed me up in our little hoop skirts and we went down, I think, two houses and she had little calling cards. She knocked on the doorbell or she knocked on the doorbell. She, she knocked on the doorbell. <laughs> she knocked on the door. Ding dong, ding dong, ding. And she said she tried to like talk about something snooty, like to keep it in the time period, like about the weather. <laughs> and she said he looked like so confused. That's amazing. And, and when uh, we left, he left a calling card. On so good. His coffee table. So good. So I would call she is that a, a true Jane Austen. Truly. Stand, so. um, I love that story so much. I remember you told me that on like our second or third date. And I thought, I have to marry into this family if only so I can meet all of her siblings because they sound amazing. And I was not wrong. You know, that's so interesting. As I mentioned before on this podcast, I'm one of five kids and literally every single person, all five of us are now married, but every single uh, spouse has been like, I need to marry into this family because <laughs> yes. so, it's awesome. I, uh, I do have some pretty great uh, siblings. They're the best. Even I mean, yeah. if they did, you know, dress me up and take me to a quasi stranger's house and talk <laughs> about the weather <laughs> and so good. leave a calling. I'm just kidding. Mr. Snow, he was, uh, he was definitely a true gentleman. That's so nice. <laughs> Let two, uh, two little girls, his daughter used to babysit for us as well. That's so cute. Um, yeah, he was a, he was a, a nice really guy. nice guy. But. Yeah. that's so funny i love that story i was more into when i was little like that age what how old was she when that happened oh i like teens or no 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 no, no, like 10 years old probably under 10 uh we'd have we can give you an update i can ask her okay um, you should she i don't have a memory of this and i think i was maybe two and she's six years older than I. oh yeah she may have been like seven or eight yeah okay so i knew of all of the Jane Austen stuff, but I didn't get into it until I was, you know, older and I read the book, but we watched the Annie version. But my huge thing when I was little was I had loved little house on the prairie and I loved Anne of green Gables. So I remember trying to convince my parents to 
make sure one weekend we could just turn off the electricity and not use any of it <laughs> and basically hopefully, be camping in our house. Hopefully this wasn't during the summer. No, I don't think it was. Okay. Um, and my mom indulged me sort of, she definitely cooked on the stove. So that was cheating, but they all sat around by candlelight at a couple of different meals. And my dad read from a book out that loud to all of us. Fantastic. And, uh, there's something just like very sweet about that, that I, that was my, my thing. I loved, I loved Anne. And I loved Little House. And then when I was older, I loved Jane Austen. We're going to, you you and Kay are going to have to talk about this when she comes on. But oh, yes, please. Did uh, you have like a pair of like elbow length white gloves? No. Oh, okay. Then. We loved Cinderella, the animated movie when I was little. And we had like dress up mm-hmm. stuff, but I never had like legit any of that. Oh, okay. Had like we weren't, a ton of regalia. Yeah. We, um, my mom doesn't know how to sew. Oh, Carol, definitely. Yeah, so my mom was like, I'm not buying you that. It's so impractical. My parents were very practical people. You got to get in the homeschool network and then like See, at this point we weren't homeschooled, so. Friends will like give you all of their random stuff. Yeah, no. And I didn't have a hoop skirt. Not Disney princess stuff because that's of the devil. (laughs) That's No Harry Potter and no Disney princess. (laughs) That's Satan's wardrobe. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no, I never really... We did dress up for a little while. Like we liked it, but it wasn't really our modus operandi. You know, we weren't, I was way more into like cassette playing. That was the other thing that I was really into when I was little. My mom and dad bought me this little, like we had one of those, like, you know, the little personal walking around and they had the little speaker with this, with the microphone. And I used to walk around my house and my mom would put in the like little tapes and hit play. And I would walk around and sing to the tapes. And, um, and I was obsessed with giving shows. So like, we would do dances to Shania Twain. I'd make all of my friends in the neighborhood, like I'd choreograph a dance and then make everybody learn it. And Leo was Let's like, go girls. Dun, dun, dun. I don't know if I remember. I definitely had a dance to that one. Going out tonight. This could be our right. first uh, TikTok. There you go. Now that's a deep cut that it's no one off, cares about but Leah. <laughs> it's off the page with MB. I just looked. But I have one of those as well. They were the best. Kay told me I should do a talk show, call it Monologues with Mary Beth. <laughs> hey, look. But look, it's what we're doing. There's like a framed, I can't remember if it was a birthday or when I actually moved out here, but like one of the gifts was a framed picture with this song I had made up when I was like recording myself. And it was something like, friends can be nice, friends can be mean. Friends can be in between. <laughs> See, you got to write our jingle. I know, I know, I know. Got to pull out the guitar and so good. spit these verses. That's amazing. I know. So yeah, I mean, listen, we all have those stories from childhood. We do, we do. But I, I think that's like a testament to obviously to Austin. Like the fact that we're still talking about her in 2022 and and she's not read just because it's a signed reading. People like genuinely love her. Yeah. Speaks to the magic. Yeah. And absolutely. plus there was like Lizzie Bennet Diaries, you know? Did you ever watch those? Uh is that the one that... on YouTube with Hank Green? Hank Green produced it. Oh, I was thinking of Hannah Montana. No, it's not that. <laughs> no, it's definitely different. Baby, I was not allowed to watch those heathen shows. Baby, this was in two thousand nine. Baby, my mom said no. <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry. I, I gotta was, go. My mom's calling. I was 21, but <laughs> oh my gosh, yeah, no, I loved that when it came out on YouTube. It was the best. It was basically 
Pride and Prejudice retold, retold as Retail. retailed as vlogs for YouTube. The YouTube. The YouTubes. It was great. I love those like modern day retellings of, of things like 10 Things I Hate About You. Yeah, I love them. Love them. And that's the Clueless. Only one. I've never seen Clueless. <gasps> Get out. As if. Oh my gosh. No, it's um, so good. That one's yeah, great. We should add that to our watch list. We Truly. have a few things. It's a great one. We have a few things. We that, should also add the Gwyneth, or no, the Emma from like a couple years ago was so good. I feel like I watched that with you. Watched, you. Yeah, we watched it together. When we first started dating. Yeah, and I'm sure I regaled you with tales of why it was good and why it was bad because I also wanted to be a film critic for a hot minute. So, Oh, Lord. I can be very snooty about movies Baby. <laughs> and television shows. Baby. <laughs> it's hard for me to just lean in and enjoy it. Baby. It's, I know. You're it's, such an Enneagram for it's listen, I just want things to be good, okay? For me. For me. The media I consume needs to be specifically for me. I I'm also kidding. feel like if something is already hyped up I don't like, like it. Yeah, you can't. No. Like, I look at it a very critical lens. You came out of the womb <laughs> wearing a beanie and plaid shirt. You were a hipster slash lesbian at birth. <laughs> like Everything was already on vinyl, and <laughs> like, and every person I dated already played the guitar. They her just didn't her know. baby Einstein. It's like we're gonna need to flip this to the B side. Uh, <laughs> See, that's sad that that's like your perception of me because no, I don't think of I it. I just like what I like. Because no, like, yeah, exactly. like First Kill, for example, that's oh. not always the best program, right? But it's so good because it's it knows what it is. No, I think, and um, I'm still devastated. No, I think uh, I, I'm giving you a hard time. By the way, I know you are. I think you're not the first person you to will know not that. be badgered into no. feeling a certain way about something. No, I think if you are kind of ambivalent about something that everyone else really likes, you might kind of be like, absolutely not. Yeah, like the girls are trying to get me to read right now those Sarah J. Moss books with the corn of throat thorn and roses or rose and thorns or quartz something corn goblins i don't know but everybody everybody on the internet is obsessed and you're like i'm gonna and, get I, them. and i watched somebody do a review sit with cindy she's this booktuber she's amazing she read all of them because did cindy like them no Ooh. she did not but she read them and it is forever on the internet yeah but and i know that there's fairy sex in it Oh, and I just don't know how into it I'm going to be. You know, that's a that's my other fear. So when someone tells me topic, so when someone t tells me this is part of what goes through my brain, by the way, when these conversations come up where people are like, you need to watch this or you need to do this. A one side of me is like, absolutely not. You're telling me what to do. <laughs> no, thank you. Two. She B, was a great teen. Emma. Oh, God. Yeah. Insufferable. It still happens. OK, two. I don't. I always get worried that I'm not going to enjoy it as much as the person recommending it oh, is enjoying yeah. it. And I don't want to hurt their feelings and I don't know how to nicely oh, yeah. be like, it's like no, when thank someone you. shows you a video while you're in the room and you're like, yeah, I don't want like, you to watch. We this watch this is the worst thing. It's like when faith got me to watch bed noms and brooms <laughs> 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 or I made her watch the three stooges and I was like, you are cracking up. And up. she's like, uh, uh, Thank you. But it was yeah. like one of those things I started watching when I was a kid. Right. So, so it's nostalgic. But, 
But like w- when you find something you enjoy, I go full for it. You like will I ride am- for it. So this is like, for example, speaking of my obsession with fandoms, I'm, I just recently watched Only Murders in the Building because my friends from work watch it. So I have Carly and Darna and they both watch it. And Darna was making fun of me the other day because she goes, she goes, you know what I really love? I love when you watch the episode and you just text the chat in all caps. That's how I know you're watching. That's how I live my life. It's like if I love something, I really love it. It just takes me a minute. But I'm very rarely just ambivalent about something. I I either really love it or don't like it at all. I saw a Tumblr post once that said lower kit club. Real skirt <laughs> that said lower cl- low <laughs> damn <laughs> said low lowercase is for the lower class and Paige really lives her life like that. I'm not gonna lie to you, I just kind of zoned out right now because <laughs> I was reading something else about Baby, the book. It took me so long I'm to so get that so- out. <laughs> you gonna make me do it again? You know what? You'll just I'm have to sorry. when you listen to this. That was so good. Shoot. I'm really sorry. Baby, my pot. <laughs> Baby. Anyway, I love what I love. Indeed. Indeed. Well, any I was going to bring up like the wave of LGBTQ TV show cancellations, but Ugh. We may want to do that when Amy is on the show. Yeah, it'll fit better with next week's podcast. We're 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 going through the 2016 version <sighs> of Barrier Gaze, except it's canceler shows. So something to look forward to. But all right, anything else for the good of the Yorda? No, I really feel Gotta good pee? about this. Oh, that okay. too. Yeah, all right. I really do have to. <laughs> <laughs> I've been holding it for like 30 minutes. All right, unspecified fan group. Goodbye. We love you. Bye. Don't forget to tweet us or Instagram message us or email us. Love you so much. Bye. Okay, bye. The bean beans. I'm always worried I'm going to rock over one of Diego's paws. Do you want me to kick him out? No. This is a fear that we both live with, but I think he doesn't really care. I don't think so. All right. Whenever you're ready. Okay.